Darkness now has ended in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of light, forever under your dominion. You're the king of my life, you're the king of my life.
Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Kara. Welcome to Town and Field Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. And as we prepare to gather and open up the scripture and worship, we pray that wherever you are at would become an encounter with Jesus and that you would be reminded of the abundant life that's found in him. Yeah, we just pray that your home would become an extension of this house, that you would feel welcome here just as you are. Our service will begin in just a moment. How are you all doing? Um, I just want to invite you guys to uh, stand and sing with us as we worship Jesus. I see your face in every sunrise The colors of the morning are inside your eyes The world awakens in the light of the day I look up to the sky and see your beautiful Awakens in the light of the day. 
sky and sea, you're beautiful.
this next song um, we introed a, about a month ago. Um, it's called The Veil. It's part of our uh, part of the songs that we wrote as a group of songwriters at a town and field. And so uh, excited to play this for you again. Feel free to sing along. The lyrics have changed a tiny bit.
Let's just pray this morning. God, it's such a joy to be here this morning, to be entering into praise and into the song that, um, that heaven sings. God, you're so merciful and you're faithful. And we stand in amazement of that. And we also want to take a moment and to hold intention um, and, and to hold in our hearts, God, what we are seeing across the world, God, where there's hopelessness, where war is breaking out um, in countries in the Middle East. We think of Ukraine um, as well. And Lord, we just pray, God, that, um, Lord, that you would restore hope, that you would restore peace, that, God, you um, would intervene in divine ways, and that in times that are so dark and um, where light seems so dim that, God, your light would shine even brighter. And, um, God, that those who don't know you, Lord, would 
would find the narrow path, would, um, would find hope that's found in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Let's, um, before we get settled in, let's take a few moments just to say hello to somebody new, say hello to an old friend, a new friend, and then we'll reconvene. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Kristen, and I am one of the staff here at Town and Field Church. Um, I am very excited for this morning. We're going to be spotlighting Alpha a little bit here for a few minutes, which is very exciting. Um, before Catlin comes up to open the word, just a few things. We're going to have a Connect brunch um, directly following this service. So if you have questions, um, about town and field, questions about Alpha. We're going to be meeting right in between the services, so we would love for you to join in on that. Um, I'm going to invite a few of my friends up here, actually, um, because we just wanted to share some stories, some testimonies of what we're seeing God do in our community. Um, and just before we get started, to um, before we dive in too deeply, um, I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of a, a background of what Alpha is. If you've been around here for a long time, you have probably um, either taken it, been involved in it, or, um, or have heard of it in the very least. Um, but if you haven't, this is, this is your Alpha 101. Um, so <laughs> Alpha is essentially the fundamentals of Christianity, um, where we gather together and we um, explore questions like around faith, around purpose, around who Jesus is. Um, and yeah, so these are my friends. This is Derek, Julia, and Carolyn. And they have graciously said yes to sharing part of their story, part of their experience through Alpha. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering, Derek, could you just give us a little bit of a, a blueprint for, you know, what does the what does the average alpha session look like? Was it like you were expecting? Was it nothing like you were expecting? Yeah, would you just share our, your experience with us? It'd be my privilege, thanks. Good morning, everybody. Uh, hi, it's great to be here. My name's Derek. Don't worry about me standing up because when I do public presentations, I just find I work off that nervous energy a little more. <laughs> um, so uh, this is my beautiful wife, Julia. And at this point, they usually say, well, what she doing with you because <laughs> I was going to say when I sat up here just to show my age I felt like I was back on that show the dating game for those of you that remember that okay uh, but just to make a long story short so Julie and I live literally one block that way and then another block that way so for us when we moved to Langley about 10 years ago discovering town and town and field was very easy and we are very glad we did uh, we came off and on before COVID um, and then COVID hit, so it kind of ruined attendance for a little bit. Thanks to the good work of everybody here, they kept it going, and we came back shortly thereafter. 
And then it was Julie's idea to, to look up Alpha and see what it was. And I didn't know that much about it. I had an idea that it was a bit of an entry level, I'll say a course would be the best word. Uh, so with her encouragement, we signed up and I was pleasantly surprised to the point I was a bit blown away because I thought it'll be a course, we'll learn the usual stuff. But in the end, it became something much more than what I expected. And I'll back up a little bit. So you come every, it was every Tuesday night, and there's a video. The videos are very well done, good production value. They're done professionally. Uh, and every video every week has a new message. We learned, well, who is God? Why does God love us? Why do I deserve his love? Okay, how do we become better Christians? And we talk about, talk about the videos. We talk about what we learned. And then we relate our experiences to them. If it was about, I have trouble having faith, we all shared our trials and tribulations and we kind of drew strength from each other. I found that very affirming because there's lots of times when you think, how hard is it to be a Christian nowadays with everything going on, things you see. And I actually felt like every week I was better off having attended. So it made me feel better about the life we would live and the life we would try to set an example for our children. Um, so we sing, we say hi, and the first 15 minutes would be social, and it was good for the spirit, but not my gout and my cholesterol, because it became a running gag that you would bring out pepperoni sticks, and because I made a big deal about pepperoni sticks being served the first night, because Julia, my wife, is a, a bit of a fitness instructor and a, a nutrition kind of person, so we don't buy pepperoni sticks for, at home, so when I saw them, I just lost all discipline, so it, it, became, it became a total running gag, exactly. Um, so we, we watch the video, we sing songs. Kristen is actually a very good acoustic guitar player, right? And so we really enjoyed it. Um, and what, what else is there to say? We, what I drew strength from, from the most was we shared our stories. Uh, when I hear about our friends that had, you know, I'll call them trials, as we all have, whether it's financial, emotional, that sort of thing. I was amazed by how they came to the Lord to get strength and hope. And I find for myself, I kind of needed it. I'll tell you why. So for those of the, you that don't know what I do for a living, I dropped out of college. You kids stay in college, so this doesn't happen to you. So I couldn't get a real job. So I became a police officer, and I've been doing it for 27 years. Right. So I, where I work and the shifts I work, uh, I'll often step over drug addicts that have needles poking out of their arms. I'm picking them up. I'm finding out that they, their family's given up on them. I'm meeting women that prostitute themselves to support their habit. And so you become a little judgmental and hardened through that. And it became so common for me that when I'd come home to my wife, Julia, she says, how was your day? I just end up saying, well, it was typical. Well, for me, typical was seeing runaway kids that don't want to go home, seeing people that steal the roast chicken from Saint Bomb Foods because that's their next meal. Like, it's literally their next meal. And the friends we made, inspired me because I found out that they had troubles and issues and when they were able to come back from them stronger than ever, I said, there's hope for the people that I meet. And after that session, I actually did become just a better police officer, even though my boss doesn't think so. <laughs> I became a better Christian. Still a long road for me to go and still a lot for me to learn, but I'm really glad I went. The friends we made, we didn't know anybody when we went. The friends we made became people we actually became close to, to the point that we were like teenagers. We created a chat group, we're online, hey, who's going tonight? We swapped jokes. Um, too many jokes. 
And after our, I think it was eight sessions, eight, eight or ten weeks, I think it was, something like that, we decided to continue it and do like a, a post-alpha group. So now we meet Thursday nights and just continue it on when it wasn't really mandatory. So I now call these people my friends. Before, we used to just come to church right on time, enjoy the free coffee, and, and leave right on time. Now we come before, and we meet our friends, we say, hi, how was your week? And we stick around a little after. And now we call these people our friends and family. So good. Yeah. I, I, it's been a joy to see kind of how creating this, this space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just testing. Um, don't worry, you're, you're coming up soon. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Do you <want> to <laughs> yeah. Okay, Carolyn, you just, you just have at her. <laughs> I'm Carolyn with a big mouth, obviously. Um, for those of you that may or may not know me, um, I have, this has been my church home for 30 years. And that has looked like many different things through those years. Um, I believe our, our faith journey takes us into hills, down hills, up mountaintops, etc. cetera. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I have been involved with Alpha many different times through those years. And every time, it has always looked different. Um, I would let, just like to fast forward to, to COVID 2020, where the permission to enter this building, to come in and to fellowship, became non-existent. And it began to change me. It began to change all of us. I went into a season sort of of isolation, and community groups were no longer. And it just, this blah sort of place in my, my heart and my life. I became very stagnant. And I began to, through that, really, you know, and then things started to come back together. And I began to um, just really seek God for where he would have me um, go in my life. And uh, last September, September 2022, I ended up in a course called Freedom Session. And that is a 12-step uh, discipleship program with healing. And as I was nearing the end of the year and getting ready to graduate, um, I began seeking God again. I didn't want to give up this sense of community that I had learned through freedom. And God led me to Alpha. To the, he just put it in my heart to become a part of this group. And I can tell you, these people have changed my life. Like Derek said, we have lived life together. We have laughed hard. We have cried hard. We have prayed. We have texted. We have done everything. These guys have become my new homies. This is my family, okay? Um, and we, we just do life, and we don't feel alone. And um, to the point that... Yeah, like Derek said, we, we didn't want to give up. We didn't want to end. And so we have formed our community group. I, I'm not sure we have a name. Maybe we're pepperoni and pretzel sticks or <laughs> prayer or something like that. I don't know. But we meet now. We change the day. We meet every Thursday night. And we, I would love to invite anybody that's seeking for a new community home. But more than that, I would love just to extend the invitation to Alpha. I believe it's going to be coming up maybe in the new year. 
I would just encourage you, no matter where you are, if you've been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, or you're brand new and just seeking, I would honestly encourage you to go and check out this course. Your life will be changed for the better. Thank you. Wow. Wow. That was, that was a great promo. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Um, shifting gears a little bit, halfway, about halfway through each Alpha course, um, we spend a little bit more time to just intentionally press into God, and we cover sessions on, on the Holy Spirit, um, and also press in, into deeper community, and, you know, um, so we spend a whole day together, um, and I'm, I'm wondering, Julie, if you would share a little bit about your experience on the Alpha day that we had. Hi, everybody. I'm Julia. Um, so... When uh, I first found out we were having an Alpha session here at the church, I was very interested in attending because I wanted to, like Carolyn said and Derek said, um, to meet other Christians and to, to learn more about Jesus and strengthen my faith. And um, I think community was building, a community was a big part of it, especially because of coming out of COVID and the loneliness. And um, so our group just instantly seemed to click. We had such a great group, and we got to our Alpha weekend. We spent the whole day together um, eating great food and um, playing games, which were a blast. Um, you become part of our group. We can share those details with you. <laughs> it's pretty funny what happened. Um, but uh, And then we watched our, our weekly videos as well, um, at that Alpha Weekend and learned about the Holy Spirit and what it's what that experience is like and how it's different for everybody. And for me personally, I always wondered, like, like what does it really um, would it feel like to experience the Holy Spirit? Like, what is that? It was a great session, and it really got me thinking, and, and we talked about um, speaking in tongues and all those things that I think a lot of a lot of us have never experienced before. And so I was really curious about that in particular. Um, didn't think much of it until the next day when I was seating, seated, seat, seated in prayer. And um, I, um, I did what was instructed in the video. It was just to simply sit and say, come Holy Spirit. That's all you have to say. Just invite the Holy Spirit in. It's that simple. And... On my heart, I felt, well, in my mind, I saw these words, and I didn't know what they meant, and they were so prevalent. And so um, after my prayer time, I went and looked up these words, and they were like, a, I think, like a Latin, in a Latin language that was totally unfamiliar to me. And I looked them up, and they translated to come to the holy place which is pretty <laughs> um, affirming that God was there with me and he was letting me know that it's that simple. Just come to the holy place whenever you need to. And uh, so that was my experience with that Alpha Week and it was very empowering and very powerful and affirming. And uh, I just want you to know if you come to Alpha, there's so much to discover. There's um, not even just the, the friends that you'll, you'll make there. But there's just so much to learn about your relationship with Christ. And uh, we would love to have you be part of our group or the next one that's, that's coming up soon.
Thank you. Wow. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for sharing. There's um, this one last story, and I want to make it quick because I am so excited to hear Catlin's message this morning. But um, to share really quickly, this last one comes from another person within from within our community. Um, to set the context, she has she had no understanding of religion or anything Christianity, um, and she found herself coming to a town and field service. And so this is um, what she said. Uh, I felt this pull to learn about religion and to start attending church at Easter. I heard about Alpha in one of the services and decided at the last minute to sign up. I told my husband that he had to watch the kids as I was going out but didn't tell anyone what I was doing or where I was going. Uh, you go, girl. Uh, I was nervous about attending and figured I would just check things out. After a couple of sessions, I found myself looking forward to the next session. And yes, I did end up telling my family. Alpha is a safe place where you can ask those questions and not be judged. It's where I could have time away from my family and the craziness of life and have time for myself to explore things that I had always wanted. After each session, I felt more grounded. I had no idea what I wanted to achieve with the Alpha sessions, but I found friends and a community group full of wonderful people that I trust. I was depressed and had some dark days during the sessions where I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was exhausted and done. I found myself found something telling me to just go to the session and I'm so thankful that I did as it always made things a little bit easier. I had no idea I was so lost and confused and this last paragraph is so significant. Um, the more I learned in the alpha sessions the more my world made sense. Growing up it was like life was a giant jigsaw puzzle but you couldn't connect the pieces. Now I'm learning how to connect them and it's a beautiful um, sensation to have the world make sense. I used to be incredibly anxious about everything and now I'm at peace and my journey has only just begun. Um, so I, I love that story and one thing that I um, really want to make clear is that you know we're sharing these stories about community being built and these amazing things that we're seeing um, happen and it's as a result of Jesus and the work of his Holy Spirit um, it's not because of a program or because of Alpha. It's because um, he's so faithful to just show to show up. And as we partner with him in that, um, this is just the stories and the testimonies that we want to celebrate. Um, so just a few more things. Um, I, <laughs> I can't help but to think back to... Um, the, our vision statement and what Catelyn has shared about the abundant life. And so my invitation to you is to consider what does the abundant life look like? How is um, God inviting me to take part in that and to share it with others? And so what that could look, look like is maybe you're inviting a friend um, and committing to attending Alpha. Maybe if you're the, if you're like, I actually just don't know what I'm doing here. I have no idea about you know who this Jesus is, um, then I would challenge you to maybe just take one step, just check out a session, see what it's like. Um, the other thing is that Alpha requires a team of people to create that atmosphere for encounter. And so if you want to be involved in that capacity, I would love to chat with you about that as well. Um, and finally, what I'm most excited for is that we also want 
you to know that if, you know, you're, we're running it on Thursdays, but if that doesn't work for you, you can run one on your own. So Alpha has been run in schools, in community groups, in workplaces, um, and so you are completely supported in running an Alpha course of your own. You can just gather a group of friends, um, drink some tea and coffee, and that is something that we would love to support you in as well. Um, so without further ado, I will direct your attention to the screen for a video and invite Catelyn to come up. Life moves fast, doesn't it? Every day there's so much to fit in. But do you ever stop and think, what's the point of it all? Do you ever ask yourself, is there more to life than this? Alpha is a space to explore the big questions, to say what you think, and hear other people's points of view. It's a series of sessions exploring life, faith, and meaning. First up, there's food, then a talk, followed by discussion. Each talk explores a different aspect of the Christian faith, and then in small group, you get to say exactly what you think. The aim of the talk is to spark conversation, each week unpacking a different question. There's no obligation to say anything, and there's nothing you can't say, seriously. It's an opportunity to hear from others and share your own perspective in an honest, friendly, and open environment. Why not try it out? Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Good. Man, thank you guys for sharing. That's powerful. That's so good. Um, we're going to go into our third week of Eden. <clears throat> Before I do that, I, something came to my inbox, and I wanted to share just real quick because it encouraged me, and I think it will encourage you. Um, I, get this, I get this note the other day from the team, and it said that uh, September's financials came in, and I, we almost never talk about finances from the front. Um, but I want to comment on it. And, they, and uh, the team had sent me that, um, that in September, we, we, um, people had given $16,000 uh, over and above the budgeted amount for the month. And that compared to this time last year was almost 20000 more than this time last year. And, you know, I've been saying that God's been doing some stuff in this community and in our house. And, uh, and whether it's breakthrough in people's lives, whether it's healing, whether it's, but then when I got that, I was just like, my goodness, God's just doing something in hearts and lives, isn't he? Like, that's not normal. Can I just tell you that? Like, that's just not normal to, like, see 16K over and above, like, what you budgeted for the month. Um, and so I just wanted to shout that down real quick because when the team sent that to me, I got real excited. Because to me, it's, it's, a, it's a budget number, but, uh, or I think for a lot of people it's a budget number, but for me, it's, it's, it's a testimony of what God's doing in hearts and lives of people. Amen. And so I just wanted to tell you, because sometimes, you know, some of that information or stories doesn't, doesn't come to the forefront. And I wanted to bring it to the forefront because I wanted to encourage us that, my goodness, like God is doing some, some, some incredible supernatural work in people's lives these days. And I think even like that sign where people are like, God, like what's mine is, is actually yours. And I want to be able to sow into what you're doing. And so I wanted to just shut that down because I think that's pretty special what God's doing in people's lives. We've been in this series uh, called Eden, 
And we've been sitting in Genesis, the first chapter, looking at purpose and identity, and then today, calling. Today, calling. And the question I wanna, I wanna ask us this morning is, can I live a life of significance? Or in another way to ask that question is, can I leave a legacy? Can I leave a legacy? Can I live a life of significance? Like, can my life be significant in my workplace and where I, where I occupy and when, I'm, when my life is nearing to the end, when I think about when my time is done, will I have left a legacy? Will I have left an impact? Will, would, would my life have made a difference, the fact that I lived and existed in this world at this time, in this generation, in these days? Will I have left a legacy and can I live a life of significance? And I would, I would argue that that question is really a question about calling. Can I live into uh, and lean into the calling that's on my life so that my calling can leave a significant impact on the world? Can God use me and do something through me, through my calling that would leave this world to be a different place because the Holy Spirit has done something through my life? That's the question we're gonna answer and look at. And so I've been, I've been working off of this, this thought, which is this, that my calling is determined by my purpose. And my purpose is found in my identity, and my identity is discovered in Eden. The, and let's just do a quick review, because it's going to be helpful, because we have to get our identity straight to get our, to understand our purpose, and we have to get those things uh, in right alignment to, so that we can lean into our calling. So our identity is, we find it in Genesis 1, and it's when God breathes into humanity, creates humanity in the first chapter, verse 26, into the image and likeness of himself, that you are the beloved made in his image. That is your identity. It's not in what you do, produce, or create. It's in the reality that God made you in his image. And then because of my identity, my purpose is found in that identity. So my purpose is to be in loving covenant relationship with God. So because my identity is the beloved and I'm, my identity is rooted in him, so my purpose comes out of my identity and my purpose is then to lean into and live out that relationship with God that was purposed in Eden, a perfectly unified uh, relationship with God that when it was lost, in the, when sin entered the world, it's what God went to restore. And he went on this great rescue mission to restore relationship. And he did that because that's your purpose. That's why you exist. So the question we were asking last week is, why do I exist? You exist to be in covenant relationship with God. And then today, what comes out of my purpose? What's, what's the calling that comes out of my identity and purpose in God? And this is my argument, that your calling is to represent God to the world. That's your calling. And I want to show it to you in the scriptures if I can. I want to show you that we actually have a collective calling. And we discussed this a little bit last week, that in our Western mindset, in the paradigm that you and I see the world, because we're an individualistic society, that we want to see the world through the individualistic lens. So in other words, we often go like this, God, what is my unique calling? What is my, what is my individual calling? What is the special calling that you have on my life? And we, and we see the world talk about this, like, find your calling. Find your purpose, find your calling. We see people in the faith community and the, the Jesus movement talk about it, like Jesus has a unique calling for your life. But I wanna make the case that I actually believe through scripture that we have a collective calling. And next week when we look at assignment, that that's where I believe that God has a unique assignment for your life. He has a unique thing that he wants to do through your life. But that's an assignment, that's something that's, that God invites you into, that's, that's something that God brings to you and in, through relationships, hey, I want, I want to engage with you in this way, but it's not our calling, that's our assignment. 
But I, but I want to argue this morning that we have a collective calling, that you and I share the same calling. And, we, and when we understand scripture, that scripture was written to a communal audience. In other words, when, when, when in the ancient days, when people would read scripture, they wouldn't read it like, God, what are you saying to me? They would read it like, God, what are you saying to us? Because they would read it one in community. So when scripture was read, it wasn't them sitting in a chair in the privacy of their home. They were reading it in the temple courts. They were reading it in community. So it was read to the community for the community. So because it's written in a communal culture, it would be understood when I read this text, when I read this scripture, God, what are you saying to the community, not just to the individual? So we have to understand that when God speaks, uh, more often than not, he's speaking to the community, not just to the individual. But our paradigm is that we want to see it for myself. To understand our calling, we have to understand what happens in Eden. And to understand what happens in Eden, we have to understand the temple. And so I just need to teach a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Can I teach a little bit? We go, we awake, we caffeined up. Look, during the Alpha stories, I had to decal out and pee because I had like four coffees already. And I was like, I don't know if I'll make it. I don't know if I'll make it. Some people were staring at me like, bro's leaving. I was like, no, just, just quick bathroom break. And I was debating during the story, I was like, can I make it, can I make it? I don't know if I can, I better be safe. Better play this one safe, y'all, for everyone else's sake. So this is what happens in Genesis 1. We're going back to the 26th verse. Isn't it amazing how much you can pull from one verse? Then God said, let us make humanity, mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. So three times he uses the word, three times he uses the word image, 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 three times. Let's make mankind in our image. So in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. The Hebrew word that, that we translate image in this text, the Hebrew word for this word image is this word selem. Selem, which translated means in our English can either be translated as image, which is what we have translated in the scriptures in front of us, but it can also be translated idol. So our, our understanding of Selem is uh, either idol or image. And in the ancient days, in both temples of ancient deities and in palaces of kings, they would have idols or images. And these idols represented either the deity of that temple. So think of like Greek temples and they would have these, these large statues representing the god or the deity of that temple. Or in king's palaces, they would have statues uh, made in their image, made in their image. Kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew is the word Salem. So a king at his palace would have a big statue of himself carved and crafted, and they would call that the Salem. And it was to represent the king, because most people wouldn't meet the king, but you, knew, you would know what the king looked like based off of the image or the idol that is outside the palace. And in ancient temples, there would be idols who represented that god or that deity in the temple. This idol or this image had one assignment. Its assignment was to show the people the image of the invisible. So you would go to this temple, somebody would go to this temple to worship or make sacrifice they would go and there would be a image or an idol of that deity in the temple so that you could have an image of the invisible you could see and connect with that deity based off of how they that image how that image or idol looked 
But unlike other temples and palaces and monuments, the Hebrew tabernacle, so the people of the Old Testament, the Hebrew community, in their tabernacle and then eventually the temple, they had no idol or image in the temple. There was no idol or image. It was the only ancient temple or tabernacle that had no image inside. Israel wasn't permitted to make images of God because God had already made images of himself. Watch this. The image or idol, the Salem, had one assignment, represent God to the world. Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, therefore humanity, representing humanity, is their calling is to represent God to the world. The word we have in Genesis 1 is Salem. Three times he uses the word image. Three times he calls them the Salem, which is the same word that you would use for an idol uh, or a monument at a king's palace or at a temple of a deity. They, Adam and Eve are called, you're going to be the Salem. You're going to be my image. You have one assignment. You're going to represent me to the world. So I'm not going to put an idol in the tabernacle or temple because you are the idol. You are the image. Are you with me? Are you tracking? I need you to get this. Because if we're going to understand our calling, we have to understand the Salem. And so they were called, crafted, and made as the Salem, as the image of God put into Eden. Put into the middle of Eden. And in the temple, in the tabernacle, people would come there to meet with God. It was the place that held and contained the presence of God. So they'd go to the tabernacle, and eventually that tabernacle, which was a tent that moved around with Israel through the desert, when they, when they established themselves in Jerusalem and built the temple, it was in these places that held and contained the presence of God, specifically in the most inner room called the Holy of Holies. But in Eden, God's presence wasn't contained to the most inner part of the garden, but his presence permeated the entire garden. So the garden is the first temple. I just need you to get this. The garden is the first temple. Temple being a place that, that houses and holds the presence of God. Eden is the first temple. And so he births and creates humanity in his image. And the Salem puts them in the temple to represent himself to the world. That's the world. The, the, the image or the idol has one assignment, represent to the world. And so he puts Adam and Eve, and therefore representing humanity, in the first temple. And then when that falls apart because sin enters the narrative, Adam and Eve are casted out to wander. Uh, and then all of a sudden in their wandering comes about the tabernacle. And we know Eden is the first temple because in the Old Testament, when they created the tabernacle and the temple, they did so with heavy images of Eden. These tabernacle and temples, the place where God was filled with his presence, which is why when we read about the building of the tabernacle and temple, they were built with this heavy imagery pointing back to the garden. So the tabernacle temple had all this imageries of garden <coughs> pointing, back <coughs> pointing back to the first temple. Eden, so it goes from Eden to tabernacle to temple. And then we know in the New Testament, God says that you're the temple, that you house the presence of God that you house his Holy Spirit. But what started in Eden moves to us, and then we know in Revelation, in the 21st chapter, it eventually becomes the new earth. So it goes from Eden, the first temple, to the tabernacle, to the temple, to you and I, to this moment where we'll be in the end days with God, in the new heaven and the new earth, and he will fill that place with his presence. And the new heaven and the new earth will be the temple. Why does this matter for our calling? 
Because we have to go back to the beginning to understand why we're purposed, why, what our identity is, and what our calling is. So our calling as the Salem is to represent God to the world. That's why you were created with this calling to represent Him. You are the Salem. Last week we looked at Matthew 22, that the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and soul. That is your purpose. Your purpose is to, in, to be in relationship with the living God. Your purpose is to be in this dynamic relationship with Jesus, loving him with all that you have. That's why when the, when the religious leaders came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? When, if you were to sum up the law and the prophets, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love God with all that you got. That's it. But then we get to Matthew 28. And there's this moment where Jesus commissions his disciples in Matthew 28. And this is what it says. It says, when Jesus saw him, they worshipped him. And I love this curious little text here. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's this moment where Jesus has his disciples. And in Matthew 28, he addresses their calling. And he says to his disciples that there's a calling on your life to represent me to the world. And so I'm going to empower you to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You're going to represent me to the world and people are going to draw close to me through that. And in Matthew 5, he, he again, Jesus is teaching and he addresses it in this language. He says, you are the light of the world. Thank you. He says, you're the light of the world. And, he's, and he says that we, we, we wouldn't put a light in you and then cover you with a bowl or like with a blanket and hide you. No, instead we would put you on a hilltop and a mountaintop and let your light shine to others. You know, in our team room where um, a lot of our volunteers gather, there's uh, that text is on the wall. And it's on the wall because I want everybody to be reminded that when we lead, we're letting our light shine. We're letting our light shine so that people could see the goodness of God and draw near to God. And I love in this text in Matthew 28, it's so curious to me why the authors would record certain things. He says this, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Then there's this curious moment, it says, but some doubted. Why would they include that? Why not just say they worshipped him and then Jesus came and told them all authorities. But they add this, these three words, but some doubted. You ever doubt? Jesus, I feel like in this moment, is wanting to commission his disciples, commission them into calling. And he's saying, I know you doubt. I'm a very aware, which is at this moment in the gospel account is, is bizarre in some ways that they would doubt because they're standing with the risen Christ. Jesus has died and been resurrected. They're standing in front of a risen Jesus and they still doubt. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? This is why sometimes God will do something significant in your life. Oh, yeah, God, like, oh, he's so awesome. And then a week later, you're just like, I'm not, no, I'm not sure. Now I'm not sure. You have breakthrough and a miracle, and then a week later, you're like, Jesus, I don't know. And I know you've done it because I've done it. And if I've done it, you've done it. But I think it's curious that the author would include that, that some doubted. Because I believe that 
Jesus can commission you into calling when you have your doubts. Can I, I just want you to get this one. I believe that Jesus wants to commission you into your calling even with your doubts, even with your narrative, your story, your background, the things that have been part of your life, the things you're engaged with now, the things that you want to hide and the things that bring you shame. I believe that God can still commission you into calling even with your doubts because he commissioned his 11 disciples in this moment into their calling. And then he goes on to say something in this moment. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you. And he says this, and I am with you always. I am with you always. But what's interesting is right after this account, uh, right after this moment, Jesus ascends to heaven. So when he says, I am with you always, if we were to look at it literally, then it's like, well, how are you with me always when you just ascended to heaven? Because you're not with me now. You left me. You're gone. What's he getting at? How is he with us always? How is he, how is he giving us authority and power and he's with us always when he's just about to depart and sit at the right hand of the Father? This is how. And we see it in Acts 1, first chapter of Acts, verse 9. Jesus is speaking. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Oh, witnesses, witnesses, witnesses to represent God to the world. You will walk in your calling when I give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, can you get this one with me? You will walk in your calling when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with you always because he's about to send the one that will dwell in you. And what was in Eden in the first temple, now you become the temple. And you're going to house the presence and power of God and the Holy Spirit. And he's going to move in in this mystery of how the Holy Spirit moves into your life and moves into your heart. And you'll receive power. Because he doesn't just say, here's this calling to be the Selam. And, and represent me to the world in this collective calling, not just to be the image of God without power. Because then he's like, you're going to have to do it on your own willpower and your, and your own merits. And your, but instead he says, no, 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 no. In your weakness, I'm strong. So I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and fill you. And so we represent God. This is our collective calling, that we represent God to the world in the daily spaces we occupy. I call it church in the wild. Church in the wild. You know, so often people think, I gotta, I gotta like leave to represent God to the world. I gotta go on some trip to represent God to the world. But what about the workplace you go to or the school you go to or the sports teams you play on or the gym you work out at or the coffee shop you drink coffee at or the family and the relatives you engage with? What about there? You don't gotta go to Southeast Asia to represent God. You got relatives you got co-workers, and you got friends, and you got neighbors. This church in the wild. The question then is, how am I representing God? And people get hung up on the where and not the how. And this is, I see people get tripped up on this. Because they, 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 this is how people will word it, especially working with young people. They'll word it this way. Well, I don't know where, where, I don't know where God is calling me. And so they get up, hung up on the where and not the how. I don't know where God is calling me. Especially young adults when they're thinking about their career. This is what they'll do. I'm going to go into finance. Okay, that's great. But I don't know where God is calling me. Should I work at Royal Bank or Scotiabank? 
where is God calling me? I said, oh, I don't think it's about the where. I think it's about the how. You could work at Royal Bank, Scotiabank, Coast Capital, BMO. It, I think God cares about, once you're employed, how you represent him to your coworkers, your bosses, and your clients. I think he cares more about how you represent him to the people you interact with than the place you go and work. Your calling might, is, I don't think it's so much where you work, but once you're there, how you're representing him to the world. Now, when next week, when we get to assignment, there might be a moment God assigned you a workplace. God says, hey, I need you to go work at this place because you're going to do something in this place. That's different than your calling. Your calling is how am I going to represent God to the people that I do life with? You know, so, so many times, like, I'll be doing my life, and uh, something happens, and my attitude gets the best of me. I know you guys don't got attitude. I do, though. I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a get buddy. You know, like, I just get, you know. And uh, Michelle will do this. This is what Michelle will do. You getting all attituded like that, attituded like that. You getting all worked up like that. How does that, how, do, how does that help the gospel? You want to see someone retract real quick. I'm like, it doesn't help. In fact, it hinders the gospel. And so in moments where my attitude gets the best of me, I, I realize I'm outside of my calling because I'm not representing God to the world because that's not his character. Right? And... Uh, your calling is to represent God to the world. This is where one other place I see people get mixed up in their calling. They believe their calling is their career. So I need to find the right career to get in, to be walking my calling. It's not true, though. Why? Why is it not true? It's not true. It doesn't even, you don't even need to be spiritual to understand. This is common sense. Most of the world doesn't have access to a career. They have to survive. They're not privy to education to get into the right fields. They don't have, so does that mean that two-thirds of the world will never have a calling because they don't have access to a career? Of course not. God's not that evil. He's kind. Your calling is not your career. You may have an assignment for a season in your life. In your career, you, you want to walk in your calling, so you want to represent God to those you work with. So the question is, how am I representing God in the daily spaces I occupy? How am I being the selem in the daily places I Occupy. How am I being the image of the invisible? So when people see me, they're like, there's something different about you. How am I being the Salem? Lately, I've been thinking about um, this idea of leaving a legacy. And I've been thinking about this idea um, about a, a spiritual family tree. You know how a family tree works. You got your relatives up here, great-grandma. And great-grandma had some kids, and then those kids had kids. You know how a family tree works? I've been thinking about a spiritual family tree. So when I met Jesus, there's, there's kind of three guys, particularly two guys that helped introduce me to Jesus. A guy named Curtis, a guy named Danny. I thought about it. I was like, they told me about Jesus, and that one day I, I made a decision to follow Jesus. But who told Curtis about Jesus? I think it was his mom. But then who told his mom? And I just started going up this chain. Are you with me? Do you understand where I'm going? Because those people who told those people were walking out in their calling. And I'd love to tell you just a story that's happened in our community in recent days. And it started with um, one of our young adults named Riley. And if you can just put it on the screen real quick. I want to show you a spiritual family tree real quick. There's Riley White. You might know her. 
Riley is a lifeguard uh, in, the Surrey, in the Surrey pools. And uh, Riley, without knowing it, was operating in her calling, representing God to the world, representing God in her workplace. Riley has a coworker named Melissa. And Melissa, uh, one day, Riley says to Melissa, because Melissa's 19, says, you should come to this young adults that I go to, and they'll be really great for you. And so Melissa uh, was like, I'll come, to your, I'll come to young adults. Comes, has a great time. Says, I wanna, I wanna, do you do the Sunday thing? Yeah, we do the Sunday thing. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to come on Sunday. Okay, come on Sunday. Before Melissa even comes on a Sunday, Melissa calls her dad. His name is Aaron. You see Aaron there. Watch what Melissa does. Dad, I'm going to go to this church on Sunday. And so they go out to eat, and they're eating there. And Melissa, uh, her parents are separated, and so they don't live together. So she calls up her dad. Dad, come eat with me. Let's go out. They go out to eat. And Melissa says to her dad, Dad, I'm gonna, uh, I went to this young adult's thing. It was really awesome. I'm going to go on this on a Sunday. Would you want to come to church with me? And Aaron's like, I haven't done the God thing in 30 years. I walked away from it because something happened in my life when I was a young guy, when I was a young boy, and I walked away from God 30 years ago. But Aaron's a good dad. So Aaron says, I, I want to support you in what you're, what you're going after, though, so I'll go with you. Where's the church? It's in Langley. Okay. Which church? Because Langley's got a lot. And uh, she says it's called Town and Field, and he, and he does this at, at, their, at their breakfast. He's like, oh, not that. Out of all the churches, not that one. And she's like, that's a weird response, Dad. He's like, you know when I said 30 years ago, I got, I got, I got hurt. At, I got, my, my family went through some stuff at a church. It was that church 30 years ago. And I don't want to go back to that one. Can you go to a different one? No, I'm going to this one because my friend Riley goes there. And so I meet Aaron. And then Aaron says, I'm here because my 19-year-old daughter brought me here. And just know I'm going to hide in the back. I said, you hide, bro. I mean, I'll see you, but I can see everyone. But I was like, you hide. You hide, bro. A few weeks go by, and then we, we link up. And he's like, bro, like, there's so much going on in my life. There's just, God's doing so many miracles in my life. It's a little bit overwhelming. I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And he's like, God's reconciling what was broken 30 years ago. And I said, of course he would. Of course God in his goodness, somewhat in his humor, would bring you to the place 30 years ago when you were 12 years old that burned you to restore you. And he came here because his 19-year-old daughter said, Dad, would you come, want to come and do this with me? Then Melissa invite, starts inviting her siblings who live with her mom. And they come from time to time. And sometimes they come with their dad, Aaron. Then Melissa invites uh, this girl, Lucy, to camp. And I, want, I asked Lucy, I said, Lucy, can I share your story? She says, yeah. Lucy is in grade 11. And I asked her if she would write it for me so I could read it. And so Lucy writes this, and I met Lucy this summer, uh, I met Lucy this summer at a summer camp called Anvil. I went there to preach for a week, and I met her there. And then she started coming here, a few, back, in, uh, back in September. And this is what Lucy says, I was invited to Anvil Island by three of my friends from dance. It was a Christian camp, so I was nervous to go, but they spoke highly of it and said it was always the best week of summer. I was familiar with God and I knew of God, but I never believed in God. I ended up connecting with Melissa. Oh, there's Melissa again in our spiritual family tree, who used to dance at my studio. The first chapel, I was scared as I didn't even own a Bible or understand stuff, but I was going on, but I was going in with an open mind, but also not thinking I'd come home from camp as a Christian. Now, a little backtracking. I was in a really 
rough place before camp. I was dealing with signs of depression. I was doing self-harm and just completely feeling down about life. I was really struggling and it was hard to find people to talk to. I was coping with my pain in ways I regretted instantly. I was hanging out with people who were such fake friends and I knew it. I was also struggling with injuries and dance and I felt a lot of pressure and feeling that I needed to do good in dance for other people and not for myself. I was trying to do my best, but it was something that I was losing my joy at. And it was something I used to have a lot of passion in. It got to the point where my body gave up and I had to take a few months off dance. And, I, and in that season, I found out my biological father died, which was a huge toll on me. I was also struggling in my relationship with my parents. I was going to camp excited to have a week break from the real world and make new friends and try to find more peace. When I was hearing the testimonies at chapel, I was realizing that I actually related to some of the people before they had found Jesus. They had gone through almost the same struggles as me before they had found God. It felt like I wasn't alone. I was really looking up, but I never thought that I could find my faith like them. It was so mind-opening and inspiring to hear stories. I wanted the peace that they had found through it all. Throughout the worship and hearing the pastor speak, speaker was good that week, by the way, I was just feeling like God was with me for the first time in my life. He was really reaching out to me, telling me everything would be okay. It was so inspiring to hear every, hear, it was so inspiring hearing everyone speak and seeing their journey through faith. It also just seemed like Christians had a lot more peace in general. Oh, representing God to the world. Isn't that interesting? You're catching this. You gotta catch it. She's picking up that people are living out their faith and like she's picking up that something's different. You gotta catch it. It also just seemed like Christians had a lot more peace in general, and it was so interesting learning about the Bible. I was also so excited for the next chapel at camp, so I wanted to learn more and more. I was afraid though, I was afraid that God would, not, that God would be ashamed of me and ashamed of everything that I had done and thought before. I was scared that God wouldn't accept me and he wouldn't forgive me. When we were talking with our cabin and some leaders, I was really relating to their testimonies. The leaders had been saying, I felt a huge amount of emotion on me. After we had talked, I ended up breaking down in tears and stayed and talked to two of my cabin leaders, Emma and Lauren. Emma just started coming here, by the way. So, Emma, if you're in the room, I appreciate you. I told them everything on how I was feeling and, oh, watch this. I told them everything on how I was feeling and I wanted to give my life to Jesus. I told them I was afraid that God would not forgive me. They told me that, they told me um, they knew exactly how I felt and they assured me that God is always forgiving and he's always accepting. I realized they were right and I felt closer to God than ever, like I had finally found Jesus. They prayed for me and I just remember being so happy and at peace. Now watch this. Since then, I've been reading a page of the Bible every night. I've been attending church, that's here, with my family. I've been going to youth group, going on prayer walks. And watch this, she says this, it's just so funny. Going on prayer walks, by the way, I don't know a grade 11 girl who just finds Jesus that goes on prayer walks. Lucy, you're operating on a different level. And then she says, um, I was going on prayer walks and spreading Christianity. When God does a work in your life, you don't keep it secret. How can you? I have been back at dance and I'm enjoying it more than ever. I've also had a lot of better, I've also had a lot better relationship with my parents. They even started to come to church with me after hearing about me talk about it all the time. Oh, almost like you're being the Salem. 
mom, dad, my life's been changed. They started coming. They're like, we don't know about all this, but we're seeing dramatic change in our daughter's life, so we want to come. Because Lucy, you're being the image of the invisible. You're representing God to the world and people are noticing it. I have been happier and more confident in my daily life. It really does feel like God has saved me and has taken me and has taken me away from all that pain I used to be feeling and brought me such joy. I'm so grateful for everything and most grateful that Melissa encouraged me and that she spread the gospel to me. Y'all, this is a great 11 girl writing this. I'm so grateful that Melissa invited me and that she spread the gospel to me. I still hang out with friends I've made at Anvil, including Melissa. Anvil Island owns my heart and I'm so excited to go back next year. The question we started our time with, can I live a life of significance? Yes, when you walk in your calling, when you step into your calling, Melissa, you're living a life of significance. Lucy, you're living a life of significance. Riley, you're living a life of significance. When I ask the question, can I leave a legacy? The question is, you've already laid a legacy. You've left a legacy. It's in the lives of people. It's not in the, the net worth you've built. It's not in the network you have. Your legacy is in the lives of the people that you interact with. That's the legacy we leave. Can I, leave, can I live a life of significance? Yes. When you walk in calling, when we walk in a collective calling, we can leave a legacy. When we become the Selem, when we become the image, God created you in His image. It's our identity, but it's also our calling to represent God to the world. So when I'm in the gym, when I go to the places that I go to, am I representing God to the world? If people look at my life, would they say there's something different about you? When they look at my life, am I representing my God? Or am I just trying to represent myself? Because representing myself, I'll have quick wins. Representing God, I'll leave a legacy. That will leave a legacy, that will leave a legacy. Riley left a legacy. Melissa's leaving legacies. Now Lucy's leaving legacies. Are you with me? You can live a life of significance, friends. And I love in this moment, in Matthew 28, Jesus commissions 11 disciples into calling. And I was thinking, I was like, how do I end our time? And I wanted to do it this way. And team, you guys can come back because we're going to get ready to close here. But I wanted to end our time this way. That as Jesus commissioned his followers, his apprentices into calling, I felt like God was inviting us to be commissioned into calling. And I wanted to close us this way. That if you're in a place in your relationship with Jesus, you're like, I want to walk in my calling. I want to be, I want to live this in my life. I want to be commissioned into this calling. God, I want to walk as the Salem. I want to walk as the temple, the place in Eden that held your presence. Now you and I hold his presence. You're the new temple. What was in Eden is now you. And because of that, you get to walk in authority and in power. And because of that, you get to walk in calling. And friends, I want to just give us a moment to respond. And this is how I'd love us to respond. If you feel like, yes, I want, I want to, God, empower me with your presence. Empower me with your spirit to live out this calling on my life. That the places I frequent would be different. The people I engage with would be different. That I would leave a legacy and a spiritual family. If you're feeling, yes, I want to do that. I'm, I know we don't do this often here, but I'm just, I just feel like we have nothing to lose in these days. But if, you're, if you feel like, yes, I want to live that, I want to pray for people. 
but I want to know who I'm praying for. And if that's you, can you just lift your arm? I just want to see who I'm praying for. Yes, yeah, all around the room, in the balcony, yes. We're going to pray that, that we're, we're going to embrace calling. Here's the other thing we're going to pray for. Keep your hand up. Here's the other thing we're going to pray for. That we're going to be filled with the Spirit. Look, Paul says to ask daily to be filled by the Spirit. Yes, it happens at the moment we're saved, but we can ask daily to be filled by the Spirit. And we need that to be able to walk in our calling. So can I pray for you? Thank you for lifting your arms. It's significant. So God, we want to be the Salem. We want to be the image. We want to be the one that represents you to the world. We want the places we frequent to be different. And so we pray, God, that we would be filled afresh this day. We pray that we would be filled afresh with your presence. We pray that we would be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. And I love that testimony where all she prayed was, come Holy Spirit. And you started speaking and showing her visions and giving her words and affirming her. God, you're, it's not complex, it's quite simple. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Come Holy Spirit, move in. The doors to our hearts are open. Come and move in. And God, for those that are like, yeah, I want to step into my calling. I want to live out this calling to be the Salem. Oh, God, just, oh, may we see you in our daily and not see ourselves. May we continually die to ourselves so that you would reign in our life. Would it be less of us and more of you? Would I put your, your agenda first, your, your kingdom first and not my own empire? And would our city be different because there's a generation of people walking and calling to be the Salem. May our cities, our schools, our sports teams, our coffee shop, the places we go to, would they be different because we're walking in our calling to be the Salem. Come on, in Jesus' name, amen.
This next song we're going to play um, is one that I wrote the music to. Um, you guys should know the words, so feel free to sing along.
Just a reminder, we have Connect Brunch happening right now. <laughs> and um, as we go, may you just be filled um, afresh with the spirit and empowered to live, um, representing him to the world. Go in peace.